So, <clears throat> scene from uh, the movie, The Passion of the Christ. There are lots of depictions about Jesus. Uh, and I have to be honest that in, in looking at lots of depictions of him, uh, of who Jesus was in, in movies, often when you see Jesus, he, he almost feels very stoic, almost without emotion. And, um, you know, he'll, they'll be going through something and, 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 you know, they'll show Jesus and he's almost always like staring off into the distance. And like, you're like, Jesus, are, are you here at all? And, and so I actually love this depiction uh, in this moment of Jesus's life where um, he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the scripture has a, it's almost will bowl you over with the description of what is going on emotionally in Jesus. What is the most grievous thing that has ever, grievous and glorious thing that has ever happened in the history of all humanity? And it's on this, uh, it's in this moment that Jesus begins to feel has these emotions, and I just want us to read it together as we dive into our, our content this morning. Mark chapter 14, and we'll throw it up on the screen for you, because I know you're already in Philippians, but if you want to go there, Mark 14, 32. And they went to a place, place called Gethsemane. This is uh, an, a, a garden on the other side of the Kidron Valley, right across from Jerusalem. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took him, he took with him Peter and James and John. That's what we saw here in this scene. And began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now, I'm so thankful to the Spirit of God for telling and showing us this moment of deep emotion and anguish that's taking place in the heart, in the soul of the Son of God. That if you had ever wondered if God actually could know what we're going through, or if you've ever been in a place of wondering, you're maybe going through a moment of life and it feels like maybe God's a million miles away and you're not sure if God could actually be in tune with the emotions that you're feeling or maybe even the moment or feeling, and there's, there's a wide swath in it and there's, there's a whole entire other sermon that's going on here. But what Jesus is feeling in this moment as the beginnings of humanity's sin comes onto his shoulders and he begins to feel the weight of what will be a turning away of the Father and an abandonment. And there are all these emotions and it's 
moving so heavily on him, he cannot stand. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you've got an emotion so powerful, you almost have to fall on the floor. You can't hold yourself up. And this is the picture. If you've ever had that question, does God know what it's like to be going through this moment? God is able to say, Not only do I know what you're going through, but I have experienced it myself. I have seen what's happening, and I've I've experienced it, and I know it personally, firsthand, have gone to that place with you. That I understand there is a weight to life. God himself faced it. You have faced it. Fear and doubt and worry and anxiety. I have faced fear and doubt and worry and anxiety. These are real emotions, and yet it often feels like there's this narrative that if you are of faith, that having these kinds of emotions is maybe even in some way sinful, that it's a lack of faith to experience these emotions, and yet we're looking at the Son of God, who we know was fully without sin, having these moments of distress and worry. He's coming before the Father. He knows what is about to come, and he's being gut-level on. Something else going on here. This is not a moment of uh, weakness. I want to maybe put it this way. This is the king of the universe. He spoke the, the universe into existence. This isn't a moment of weakness, but it is a moment of authenticity before the Father. And so... If this is not a moment of weakness and this is not a moment of sin, then the scripture is saying something else. When we come into these emotions where fear will rise up or worry or anxiety will come up over us. And this is, of course, important to see because I don't know if there's an emotion more common to the American experience than anxiety. In fact, they've done now a number of studies. I was looking, as I was looking over and getting ready for this message, there are a number of studies that say now that America is the most anxious country in the world. This in despite of the fact that there is greater wealth, greater personal freedoms, greater entertainment than any other nation in all the earth, and yet we're experiencing the highest amount of anxiety and worry. So there's something that doesn't totally line up here. This thing, of, uh, this issue of worry, of anxiety, is fever pitch, I think, in our culture. We all have experienced this emotion. In fact, one author states it really, really well. Uh, I was reading, he says, anxiety is an edginess, a dread, a cold wind that won't stop howling. It's not so much a storm as the certainty that one is coming, always coming. Sunny days are just an interlude. 
You can't relax, can't let your guard down. All peace is temporary and it's short term. Anxiety is a meteor shower of what ifs. What if I don't close the sale? What if I don't get the bonus? What if, I, what, what if we can't afford braces for the kids? What if my kids have crooked teeth? And what if crooked teeth keep them from having friends, a career, or a spouse? And what, they, if they end up, what if they end up homeless and hungry holding a cardboard sign that reads, my parents couldn't afford braces for me? You feel the loop. I, almost, I, I can guarantee almost every one of us have been on the loop where there is a, a thing, an emotion that's going on inside of us. And what begins from that emotion is a spiraling of worry and fear and ultimately anxiety. There's a lot to delve into with this, but what we can say is that this, it doesn't matter what your gender is, doesn't matter what your age is, worry is no respecter of persons. Every one of us has this thing. In fact, the, the etymology of the word worry comes from the old English, we're gone, W-Y-R-G-O-N. You know what it means? It means to strangle. The base word for worry is to strangle. It's a word that was used to describe a predatory animal that caught its prey by the neck and shook it. And now that description is the, this normal way of life where we feel almost strangled by the events going on in our lives, unable to function, worry and anxiety crippling us in our ability to live. And so the question then becomes, okay, then God, what do you have to say about this experience of worry, fear, or anxiety? And so I want us to just look at this together. Philippians chapter four, we'll read this. And then we'll unpack it a little bit. And then we're just going to ask God to begin to let us see rightly our emotions and what he wants to say to us. Philippians chapter four, we'll start with verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the peace of the God of peace will be with you. Now, listen, if you've if you've been around the church block before, inevitably you have heard this scripture. In fact, the the Bible is is uh, the Kindle's most highlighted book. All right, you know about the Kindle. If you highlight the Kindle, then it starts to collect them all up. The, the Bible is the most highlighted book in all of Amazon's Kindle. You know what the most highlighted verse in the Bible is? Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Do not be anxious, but come to me in prayer. 
it is evident without question. This issue is an issue we all face. Don't be anxious. And so there's an important distinction I wanna just begin to draw between this, the emotions that we experience and then of fear and then the anxiety that results from it. In fact, that same author says anxiety is trepidation, right? Anxiety and fear are cousins, but not twins. Fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines one. The anxiety is actually the physical response that we feel to many different emotions that are going on inside, right? We feel lots of different emotions uh, that manifest in very physical ways. We might be experiencing any number of emotions that can bring us to a place of worry or anxiety, right? You could have a fear of the future, What am I going to do with my life? Bringing us to a place of anxiety. You might have shame that is stemming from a personal failure and you're asking, will I ever be good enough? Or you might just be experiencing loneliness and you're asking the question, will I actually ever be loved for who I am? These are the questions that begin to arise. There's all kinds of emotions that we experience. There's feelings and emotions that are going on, but they're so powerful to a point where they begin to manifest in our lives. And in many ways, we can't even begin to function because of that. And it's in light of that, that Jesus comes in who wants to touch our lives and in this text is saying, do not be anxious. Now, I think it's so important to see this. Jesus is not saying, do not have emotions. He isn't making a declaration that you cannot have emotions, right? What he's saying is, if these emotions are coming up in a way that are causing you harm, and worry about the future. If you're sweating or if you're feeling ill or something, there's a pit in your stomach or you can't sleep at night, all of those things that we may have experienced due to the future fears in front of us, what Jesus is saying is do not let anxiety rule over you, but bring this to me. Bring it to me. Bring your emotions to me. He's actually fundamentally saying, you're going to experience the emotions. Jesus himself felt those things because you're made in the image of God, the one from whom which all real emotion flows. Those emotions, though, were meant to pull us closer to the Father. I wanna say that again, and maybe if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this, right? All of the emotions that we experience, they're these, every one of them are these little lights that are going on that are meant to draw us nearer to the Lord. All the emotions, joy, happiness, sadness, fear, everything that's going on that we experience emotionally, all of those are little lights that are meant to pull us into union with the Lord, to begin to ask him the questions. Lord, I'm I'm having this fear. I'm experiencing this emotion. I am afraid of what's happening or what's in front of me. 
And God is saying, come to me with that emotion. I have something to say to you. There are, there are things that are in, going on inside of you, beliefs, ways of operating, ways of thinking, and I want to bring you into a place of relationship with me. When he says, do not be anxious about anything, but what? But with prayer and petition, make it known to me. The, the worry that's in front of us is meant to be pulled down and given to the Son of God who is ready to speak with clarity and certainty to ex everything that we're experiencing. That is the call. Text isn't saying don't experience emotions. The text is saying when the emotions are arising, that's the moment in time to bring them to the Lord. God has something to say. He has truth to wash over you and me. He has insights into our framework. Things that he understands that we do not. And there is an, an internal wrestle going on. Am I going to be in control or is the Lord? And he actually says, I love this because the picture here is we come to the Lord with prayers. And he says, I want you to make the request known. I want you to say it out loud to me. I want you to bring it to me. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this with thanksgiving. With a heart of gratitude. You almost get this two different pictures going on, right? One with anxiety in which we allow our emotions to lead us to believe in a future calamity. We have the emotion going on and all of a sudden the worry or the anxiety lifts up. It physically manifests in our life and all of a sudden we're there and we're trying to, in our minds, be in control of that which is yet to actually happen. And if you, if you thought about that, I, was, I got to have a conversation with a counselor this week and asking and trying to understand this thing, this thing called anxiety. And one of the things that a counselor will do sometimes when someone's experiencing debilitating anxiety is to actually have the conversation and say, hey, where are you now? Where are you now? Because the anxiety is actually about a future reality that actually, or a future idea that actually hasn't taken place. And so the idea is to pull out of the future looping over the thing and to come and say, what is actually true right now? And to come into an understanding of what's here in the moment, to, to be able to get the space, to be able to see what is it that the Lord might say to me right here and right now. Not to be stuck in a future reality that isn't actually there, but to be able to say, Lord, what do you have to say to me now? You take that picture with this picture of thanksgiving, bringing the request with thanksgiving, bringing our emotions to God and believing in a future grace, right? Thanksgiving is actually just saying, God, I'm believing. I'm coming to you with glad gladness in my heart, with thanksgiving and gratitude because I know 
that you know exactly what's going on in my life. And I'm able to bring this to you. And I'm believing, God, that I'm not in control, but you're in control of the thing that has yet to happen. We need to begin, church, we've got to begin to give ourselves permission to experience the emotion, but remember that all those emotions were meant to drive us to the Lord. And that's what Paul is saying to the church here. Don't be anxious, but when you've got the emotion coming up, bring that faithfully to the Lord. And, and then if you look at what he says, says, if you'll do that, put, here's where you put your mind, not on future calamity, but look back at the text. But whatever's true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, this is where I want you to set your mind. Jesus is going right to battle with this thing, the battleground of the mind, the battleground of the heart. Now, if we just did some real talk, here's what we all know. Every one of us is faced with many responsibilities in this life. See, I think it's, it's actually kind of easy to go about when you're talking about the, the issue of worry in our lives. It's easy to say, hey, don't worry. You're gonna be all right. But every one of us actually has many responsibilities, right? We go home and we have responsibilities there. And we go to our workplace and we have responsibilities there. And we have relationships in which there are responsibilities that we have. And we have children or spouses or roommates. Or we have any number of places where there's a constancy of responsibility all over the place. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to be able to get away from it. We see it all the time. And if you're not careful, you can actually read Philippians chapter 4 and think, oh, all right, God says we're not supposed to not supposed to have anxiety, so all good. We're going to just let go and let God. That's kind of the, 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 the typical thought, right? You ever heard that, let go and let God? You ever heard that? You'd be like, what does that mean, right? Let go and let God. But there's this kind of like, all right, if I'm not supposed to have uh, any anxiety, I'm just not going to worry about anything, right? And, and I'm just going to swing the pendulum the opposite way, right? In the, in the words of the, 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 the incredible and brilliant, right, philosopher, Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. Don't make me sing this thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the whistles are coming out. You feel it. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry. Be happy. Seriously, these are lyrics. The landlord say your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. Come on. Ain't got no cash. Ain't got no style. Ain't got no girl to make you smile. Don't worry. Be happy. Ooh. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Let me see. 
right? The Bible is not Bobby McFerrin, okay? I was just for clarity, it's not saying, all right, no worries. No problem, just we're gonna swing the thing to the other side. You don't have to worry about any responsibilities. That's actually not real life. We all feel that there are actual real responsibilities, but in fact, what we see throughout the scripture is that responsibilities are a gift because the responsibilities we have as spouses and parents and employers and employees and all of the things that we face on a daily basis, every one of those things is an invitation to partnership with the king of the universe. It's beautiful. The enemy is trying to look at those responsibilities and say, you don't have what it takes. And from that emotion of feeling like we're not good enough, what happens? Anxiety rises up to choke and strangle us. Responsibilities are actually beautiful and the Lord, there's a healthy ground for living with responsibility in a way that doesn't allow our lives to be crippled. I want you to, uh, if you, we'll throw up on the screen a picture of a bell curve. There's actually, are you guys familiar with the bell curve? Of course you were, you were always like hoping your teacher would grade on the curve, right? Remember that? Um, so the idea of the bell curve is that the, that there is, there are good things, but that too much of any one thing could potentially be damaging. And so there's this curve that where you live at the top, if you can be at the top, that takes a strength, your strength takes you. And when you're functioning at the top, it's awesome. But how many of you know that your strengths in overdrive can also become weaknesses, right? Your drivenness to go and, and take the world, right, is awesome, until a point at which your drivenness starts driving you into the ground, right? Or your chill, some of you are like, well, I'm, not, I'm the chill, right? Your chill is awesome to a point, okay? But that if your chill goes past a certain point, it becomes actually detrimental to our lives. And there's this beautiful function in the middle. And so what God says is, hey, there are things that I've called you to, places of responsibility, things that I've placed before you, places where I've gifted you. There are things in this life that I want to do and accomplish in you, and I'm calling you to trust me and say yes to me. And it's at that beautiful place we keep saying yes to the Lord. But that, that feeling or understanding of responsibility begins to become debilitating the minute that we think that the responsibility is all fully ours. And it begins to tear us down. If you have too little of a characteristic, you can end up broken. If you have too much of a characteristic, you can end up broken. And we begin to assume in this very driven culture we live in that we often take on way too much responsibility. And worry then becomes the place where we are tending to believe that life is about me. And the results of life are ultimately up to me. Church, listen, we have responsibility, but ultimate responsibility belongs to God. There's a beautiful marriage of the things that God's called us to, but, I, but we're not ultimately responsible for. Worry tends to begin to creep in 
when I put myself in the role of God and I take on the responsibilities that were actually his alone to take. This is the place that we're meant to come to, to entrusting him. Worry is that place where we feel the feels, if you will, and we try to take on the things that are actually God's. They're his to have. They're not ours to take. Worry thinks too much of myself and too little of God. And there's a beautiful balancing where we bring our emotions to the Lord. And so our aim is to find the sweet spot, right? The the aim is to find the sweet spot, to live in that beautiful partnership with God. That's what Jesus actually says. Um, we've, We've actually talked about this text before, but Jesus, he looks at his people and he just says, if you will, if you're heavy, then if you'll bring your burdens, come to me and I'll make an exchange. I'll take all your burdens and I will put my yoke upon you, which is light and life-giving. Here's what it means. Now, you know what a yoke is? It's actually an apparatus where you are, said apparatus, I'm sorry. Is that a 1987 word? I'm sorry, I shouldn't say apparatus. A, a thing, a deal. You know what a yoke is? It's a deal. That what you do is, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, all you farmers know, all, all the farmers that we have in here. I don't know how many farmers live in Williamson <laughs> County, but sorry. You farmers know what I'm talking about, right? Huh? <laughs> Guys, any, anyone? Okay. Well, that means <laughs> a yoke is this. There's an ox, and when he pulls uh, by himself, he, d- he doesn't do as awesome. But if you can put another ox right next to him, he might even be a weaker ox, but when you, put the, when you put the yoke on them, then when they pull together, it changes the game. Their, their, their work that is getting done is done exponentially. And what Jesus says is, hey, I'm not gonna take the weight of, re- I'm, not, I'm not taking you out of responsibility because I've fashioned you to accomplish many things, but I want you to come on my yoke. Because it's light and easy. You want to know why? Because I'm pulling this thing. You want to get on this train. This is the, this is the yoke you want to be a part of. It's the one where I'm, I'm doing the heavy lifting. And son, daughter, you've got responsibility. But listen, you don't have ultimate responsibility. This is my deal. And I want you to trust me and not yourself. I want you to think of me. Listen, God is as intricately and intimately involved in your profession as anything that you ever get to experience here on a Sunday morning. Listen to me very carefully. God is not just the guy that we come to on Sunday to sing to. He is the one on Tuesday afternoon saying, the deadline that you're afraid you're going to miss, come to me and let me put my yoke on you and learn from me. Trust me in the middle of this thing. These things don't have to overtake you. I'm here to meet with you. Praise is pray. Bring it to the Father. He didn't say, nah, just chill. You'll be all good. He says, no, just trust me with the emotion. Bring it to me. Give yourself the space to hear what I have to say to you. And this is a hard thing. And we're gonna finish up with this. But I wanna be... If, if we're being really honest, some of the emotions that we're feeling, we have a, 
we have a real fear of about talking or thinking about the emotions that are actually going on. I would be the first to confess this. I have multiple conversations with my wife as I'm trying to navigate or think through the things that I'm feeling and why I respond the ways that I do. If you've ever taken a moment to push so many life-giving things that God wants to bring to that. But we can continue to keep God at a distance, at an arm's length, and miss that beautiful exchange of the burdens and fears and anxieties we have for his yoke that is light and easy where he wants to lead us as the one who's ultimately authoritative and responsible. Now, I love what he says here. Back in Philippians chapter four, where Paul's looking and he says, here, here's what I want you to hear. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, what does he say? Practice these things. And what? The God of peace will be with you. We practice. We, there is something to do when you and I feel the feels and when the thing is coming up and rising up. What do we do? We practice. We bring it to him. We bring it to him again and again and again and again. And the promises that God's peace will be with us. It's what he wants to bring and deliver to us. That's his heart for you and for me. Here's what I want you to do. Close, you can close your Bibles, put your notes down if you're taking notes. Lindsay's gonna come up. In fact, you can put your stuff down and if, if you would just stand with me. I want to just finish this morning by allowing ourselves just a brief moment to, to see and to be aware of what we're actually feeling. Not to throw it to the side or to feel shame or guilt. Jesus is calling us to is to say, Lord, here is what's really going on in me. And you have asked me to bring this to you. I'm bringing my requests. I'm bringing my petitions. And I am telling you, here's what's going on. And so I'm just going to give you just one moment with the Lord. If there is any place of anxiety or any place of worry that has risen up in you for any reason, would you just be honest with the Lord about that in this moment? I promise you I'm not going to ask you to come up on stage and share. This is just between you and the Here's what I'm facing. Here's what's in front of me. You might be feeling fear. You might be feeling anger. 
be feeling lonely or sad. Lord Jesus, we together as a church are going to collectively now bring the emotions that we are feeling to you.
promises that we'll live in glory and victory too. We thank you. In a moment, we're going to have just our prayer partners available on the side of the rooms, just an opportunity to connect with someone. If you found yourself just wrestling through something, maybe it was with something I said this morning or maybe just anything going on in your world. We want to just be able to partner with you, pray with you. Take advantage of that. We're just going to stay here in a place of just trusting the Lord. I'm going to pray a blessing over us as we go that we would be able to walk this week not in ultimate control, but with our hands open. Blessings. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Prayer partners will be available on the sides.